we have a number of topics to cover from this past week, including primary election results and discussion, including that of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and maybe some candidates she endorsed, uh, Austin Peterson's campaign in Missouri, did he take the primary seat for the Republican Party, and, uh, oh yeah, speaking of third party, they caught some flack for something that's going on in Ohio, it's still going on in Ohio, We'll talk a little bit about that. And then, of course, a very controversial, conspiratorial voice being removed from several platforms. Alex Jones and the future of social media, free speech. All this and more is coming up. This is Fritzcast. It's Friday, August 10th, 2018, and welcome to another edition of the Fritzcast. I gotta apologize for last week. Last week, something happened with the intro to the show. I have no idea about... If you listened to last week's show, uh, and you heard the intro, I didn't really do a spoken intro. I had the music play, and then I went into you know, a little monologue type of thing for about probably like nine or ten minutes of an introduction of whatever was on my mind. And it just, it got lost about 13 minutes into that episode is where it picks off, picks up. Um, from the 13 minute mark, I have a, an audio clip from the, uh, the film, the Patriot. One of my favorite segments from the film, the Patriot, uh, play. And I talk a little bit about, uh, democracy and how the mob can trample the rights you know it's it's i've said it a couple of times on the program i think that you know an, an elected legislature can trample a man's rights as easily as the king can and it, it is one of my favorite lines it's one of a you know it's an important line but the i've said it so many times over i'm not going to say it again i'm not going to put you guys through that again um Basically, though, the thir- 13 minutes just missing from last week's episode. It's a very great grand conspiracy, um, and I have no idea what happened because I have, uh, when I do this, I like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not super, super duper sophisticated or anything. I'm recording this in GarageBand on my, uh, on my Apple computer, on my iMac, and so it's not fancy. I mean, it does the job. It records. I can put in audio clippings, which I, I understand. I've been listening to my episodes the past couple of weeks. I understand that my audio clips are coming in really weird. Um, they almost sound like they're recorded in a tin can or something. Working on that. Working on fixing that problem. Uh, because I like clean, clear audio. And I like it to be you know loud so you don't have to adjust your volume and all that. So we're, we're, that's stuff that we're tweaking. But that's what I mean. Not sophisticated at all. I record this in GarageBand. I export it as an MP3 file. I upload it to SoundCloud. And it goes to all the other platforms, including iTunes and Google Play and uh, some other podcast. Podcast Attic, if you have that on uh, an Android-based phone or something, you can find FritzCast on Podcast Attic. That's how I used to check up on my feeds Back when I was an Android user, I am now back to iPhone. Uh, if you wanna, 
if you want to get nerdy and picky over that, uh, it's just personal preference, man. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, Apple's 100 times million better than your stupid Android phone. Not going to do that because uh, I was a Note guy for a while. I had the Note 3, the Note 4, the Note 5. Didn't get the one that had the self-destruct feature and never went back to it after the self-destruct feature uh, because it, I, I believe it wasn't implemented very correctly. But uh, even my master track in GarageBand, like I went back and the intro is just not there. It, it It's missing. So I I hit a, a, a section of hotkeys or something didn't record. I you know I don't know what happened to it. I apologize uh, for that because I, I should be just a just a tad more professional than that. But you know these things happen. So I have no idea where the intro went, but because of it, it sparked me to you know finally move ahead on some other ideas. So uh, among other things that's going on with Fritzcast now. Doing a lot more video snippets and uh, segments like that. Uh, so because of that, we've booted up uh, the FritzCast YouTube page, which uh, if you just go to YouTube and search FritzCast, I'll, I'll include a quick link in the description of this podcast today for you to access that. But now there's going to be videos popping up on there. And typically I won't do long ones. I'm not, uh, I'm not in the current setup, I think, to do video-esque production of, you know, something that would be 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. Usually it's going to be like 5 to 10 minutes of quick talking. A lot of it's probably going to be on my cell phone uh, or shot from my cell phone. So that's the type of thing I'm going for. Some of it will be goofy, stupid stuff with Snapchat filters because I, sometimes I just like being a goofball, all right? And I feel like I can be a little bit more of a goofball in that kind of stuff. And so, but anyway, we'll see what happens. But So we've, we've dived into that. There's now a Teespring... Fritzcast store at teespring.com slash fritzcast, which now I'm offering t-shirts and mugs and stickers and all sorts of things. Uh, we just uh, just put up a new shirt yesterday, in fact, called Think Freely, which uh, features a smiley face with a giant X around where the mouth would be, and the slogan, do you really think you're free? Fight for liberty on the back of the Fritzcast logo. You can get that now. It's $15 on the Fritzcast shop at teespring.com slash Fritzcast. Also, we'll include a link in the description for easy access and promotability and stuff. But So what what happened with that 13 minutes? I don't know. Russian bots destroyed it. Uh, the, the, I was hacked by Hillary Clinton. She wiped it with... Uh, uh, she wiped it with a cloth, probably. I don't know. But, you know, that's just... A, that's a highlight of how last week went. I would, a good friend of mine on Twitter... Messaged me and said, hey, did you forget to turn on your microphone? I don't have anything. I'm playing your episode. And I went and checked it out and figured out that uh, the uh, the goddamn third-party voters uh, scrubbed my 13 minutes or something, you know. So there was that, – that that's what last week was, just, you know, coming up with different endeavors and all that. I have a, I have a written article that's going to be coming out probably in the next day or so about the third-party thing too. But uh, we're going to discuss it a little bit of it. Uh, in the in the upcoming moments, uh, because there's there's so much to talk about from the last week, uh, it's crazy. And I think I think the good starting point to talk about was was the primary the primary elections that happened. Uh, and there's still kind of there's still primaries going on. There's still primaries to be had uh, because that kind of goes state by state basis, and and different states do it at different times and. 
and uh, we get to play this this game of trying to watch them unfold as they happen. And it's not, I mean, it's, I don't even think they're really excited. The, the primaries I don't think are exciting. Um, on, a, on a nationwide scale, just paying attention to them, I don't think they're that exciting because there's, uh, there's a plethora of candidates. There's a, there's a lot of voices that, that come out when the primary elections are going on on a statewide level. And then, you know, sometimes on a presidential level as well. I mean, think about, think about 2016. The Republican Party, the GOP, put up like 15 or 16 candidates. They had debates that were split into two different, you know, there was main event debate and then curtain jerker debate between where you had people like, uh, uh, man, Bobby Jindal and, and Carly Fiorina debating along with, I think Lindsey Graham was in that mix. And some of you know, those were some of the names. That was on the kitty table. That's the word I was looking for. The kitty table debates for the Republican Party. The the Democratic Party couldn't find candidates. It seemed in for the 2016 presidential election because it seems the Democratic Party was all yeah it's Hillary Clinton's turn. So you know uh, nobody else needs to show up. But we got this crazy socialist in Bernie Sanders. That's you know he's really making waves. So we got to kind of put him on the stage and appease those voters. And they did that, right? They they put him up there. They 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 uh, they let me debate. I uh you know Secretary Clinton is a a terrible choice. Uh, she's got plenty of super delegates, which is a rigged system in this Democratic Party. But I'm going to tell you to vote for her anyway because not Trump. Uh, plain and simple. You had that. They 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 scrounged up uh, Lincoln Chafee who kind of looks like Sam the Eagle from the Muppets, uh, if he was older. And <laughs> Jim Webb, who was probably, like, level-headed, middle ground. He's the, he was the Democrat that even independents and even probably some other conservative people could have looked at and gone, yeah, you know, Jim Webb, not that bad. I could probably vote for him, maybe. And who... Oh, yeah, they had Martin O'Malley. Martin O'Malley. So they had four... Three white guys, right? Three, Lincoln Chafee, Jim Webb, Martin O'Malley, Bernie Sanders. All right, four white guys, four old white men, and one old white woman. And the Republicans had uh, Latino candidates, uh, black candidates, or African-American, however you want, however you choose to, I'm not turning this into a race thing, but, uh, they had Latino, they had African American, um, they, you know, the only thing that the Republican Party didn't have up there was, you know, maybe LGBTQ, uh, you know, or, or a gay representative on their debate stage, but it was the Democratic Party that, you know, is the party of inclusiveness and, and diversity, right? But, you know, what do I know? That's the th- that's the nice thing about the primaries, though. You can have a plethora of voices. You have a lot of different. There's real traction, real debate, and real progress made in the primary stages of an election. So when I said that they're boring, like when I say they're boring, I mean it's just a, 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 nationally speaking, trying to follow it can get really tedious and boring. Because are you really going to go from state to state to state and listen to? 
uh, you know, 150 or 250 different candidates talking about something. I mean, it, it, that can get you lost in the sauce for sure. But the point is the diversity of the voices and the fact that you have, I think, more targeted debate and, and a broader range of subjects talked about in the primary elections to try to figure out who the candidates are going to be. Which is a great thing. But you can also see with the GOP, how did we how did how did the GOP end up with Donald Trump? It's very easy to see how all the voices got drowned out because Donald Trump stood out of the pack of that of those voices as, you know, the 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 odd guy in the room. The one that sucked up the attention, whether it was good or bad. The guy that was bump that was most bombastic, uh, the loudest, um, the most controversial, and that can completely outshine whether it's in a negative or a positive light. That can outshine the other you know twelve guys on the stage, and that's a, that's what I believe happened. Because who did I support? If you listened to if you listened to Fritzcast back in two thousand fifteen when I booted it up. I was behind Rand Paul. Solidly stand for Rand. Loved the sensibility. Loved the, you know, there was Democrats and liberals at that point that I was talking to that knew that I had changed very politically from being a, you know, staunch Republican person from my youth days in high school and all that. And they were asking me, well, you know, who are you backing in the GOP? And for me, it was undoubtedly, you know, without question, Rand Paul. Rand Paul just could not gain the traction, though. He could not crack above 5%. And how how could you expect him to when Donald Trump had 30% that was unwavering? 30% that's unwavering because they loved him because he, he, you know, oh, it's the same old crap. He speaks his mind and he tells the truth. And he doesn't hold back. He doesn't pull any punches, man. That's what we had with Donald Trump. A staunch 30% that would not budge from him. You had about, I don't know, 20% or so from there that that were like Ted Cruz. Like Ted Cruz is the guy. He's the constitutionalist. He's he's a textualism guy. He's, you know, he's from Texas. He's great. He's a good option. And he's, you know, and he's Latino. It promotes diversity. That's That's something else that people were... Then I think the third place guy was Marco Rubio, which was probably a, like I guess maybe the sleeper choice for the GOP if if Trump wasn't bombastic wasn't as bombastic as he was and didn't gain the traction that he gained. And then you had I mean all the other names you had in there you had Carly Fiorina standing out as a woman option you had a uh, you had uh, Ben Carson you know Doctor Ben Carson who at this point. People laugh at him and mock him more probably now than ever before. Uh, and then you had so many other different faces and voices up there. Rand Paul lost in the mix in the sauce. You had Chris Christie, who isn't even really a Republican, but neither is Donald Trump. So, you know, you tell me. But a lot of voices, that can get lost in the sauce. And, and for example, Missouri candidate Austin Peterson. Love Austin Peterson. Loved him when he was running for the Libertarian presidential nomination 
And he was enough of a thorn in Gary Johnson's side that Gary Johnson had to go through two-step voting to actually secure the nomination for the Libertarian presidential nominee slot for the presidency. Um, that Austin Peterson is influential. He is very stout. He's very staunch. He's very matter-of-fact. He doesn't back down in the face of criticism. A lot of times he doubles down in the face of criticism. And, and maybe maybe to a flaw. Maybe maybe to a, to a flawed degree. And why? Because Austin Peterson caught a lot of attention for doing bold things during his, during his election. He raffled off, I think, two, at least twice he raffled off AR-15s to his followers and and his fans uh, or his constituents, however you want to you know phrase it. So I think it was twice he raffled off AR-15s, which some people were like, he's raffling off a gun. I hope it doesn't end up in the wrong hands, despite the fact that you just can't raffle off a gun and boom, somebody has it. They still have to adhere to all the local standards, statutes, laws, all that jazz. You can't just win a gun online and claim it and not have to go through any paperwork. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> and his contest rules stated that. But people were criticizing him, saying that they hoped the gun did not end up in the wrong hands. You know, if you have to pass the background check, how is it going to end up in the wrong hands, per se? So he caught flack for that. He caught a little bit of negative attention. He caught a lot of positive attention from, you know, the diehards on on the right side of the spectrum and the liberty side of the spectrum. People loved him for that. People loved him for his... He had a ghost gunner raffle just before this primary. That was... It's like a 3D printer. Uh, It's a 3D printer that you can build about 80%. I believe it's 80% of a lower receiver for an AR-15 or an AR-10 or, you know, a, a long barrel rifle and you can do it you can do it 80% but it still needs milling before it's considered a firearm and not serialized and by US law a firearm only needs a serial number if it is intended to be transferred meaning that you can finish the 80% lower receiver and not add a serial number aka you don't have a trackable traceable gun that's registered in the you know grand government market, you know, scheme. All right. And that puts some people that put some people off too. So you know, in this debate of things anyway. Some people are gonna champion Austin Peterson and say that was great. That he had the AR fifteen raffles, that he raffled off this machine that can help you create the lower parts of a gun with no serial number and no tracing to keep the government out of it. And you know, if you're a liberty lover, if you're a Textualist, if you're a, a constitutionalist that you know believes the Second Amendment unwaveringly, you might love and champion that idea. But in the grand, in the bigger market, there's a lot of louder voices that are frightened and scared and and want the opposite thing in terms of guns, and that might get you a little negative attention. Now, I'm not. That's not me defending saying that we need to concede and absolutely 100% start stripping away and and making 
hard compromises against what the Second Amendment stands for because I'm not at all. But there is some choices and messaging and how to deliver that message and all that and does it translate well. And let's just say Austin Peterson came in third in his uh, in his primary election. Yeah, Austin Peterson lost uh, to Josh Howley, who had 389,006 votes. 58.6% of the vote. In fact, Tony Manetti came in second, 64,718 votes, 9.8% of the vote. And then there was Austin Peterson at 54,810 votes, 8.3% of the vote. Now, that's not to disparage. Austin Peterson did run... A tough campaign. He did stick to his guns. For realsies, he did. And uh, he promoted the message of liberty, and he got people interested. He did attract voices. He did attract people. It appears, though, that he attracts and appeals to people on a broader spectrum. A broader spectrum, excuse me, than just across Missouri. Uh, more so nationwide than concentrated in Missouri. But that's still it's still an accomplishment. It's just not the outcome that we wanted. And liberty is small battles. It's uphill, it's small battles. And regardless of him not taking the nomination and not being able to advance forward and take on uh, debates with Claire McCaskill and all that, he still is a voice. He's still here. He's still prominent. And he's, he's still important. It just did not translate. And it, it's sad that it did not translate. Um, could it have been from his open speaking about guns? And it, I, I'm not willing to suggest that it was. I believe the way that that primary turned out was more so the fact that Josh Howley was known throughout Missouri in a government position already, had uh, Donald Trump's stamp of approval already. And the the world right now, unfortunately, it is um there's a lot of abs there's a lot of absolutism right now. There's a lot of hardcore team playing dynamics going on in the uh, in the United States right now. Some of it uh, to a, a very damaging degree, I would I would argue. And why would I argue that? Because I want to now look at Ohio. I want to look at the Ohio District 12 House of Representatives race. That was actually it was that was an actual not a primary. That was a a, a special election to replace a House of Representatives seat. So Ohio District 12 the 12th Congressional District, rather. Uh, as of right now, Troy Balderson leads by 0.8 percentage points, just 1,564 votes over Democrat Danny O'Connor. With 100% of the precincts reporting, they're still sifting through other provisional ballots, uh, early votes, all of that jazz. They're still doing that. They still have not in the news, called this race. Uh, Balderson's declared victory. Danny O'Connor refused to, refuses to um, concede 
And this was the breakdown. Troy Balderson has 101,772 votes, 50.1% of the vote as it stands. Danny O'Connor has 1,208 votes, 49.3%. And there was also a Green Party candidate running, Joe Manchik, who scooped up 1,129 votes, 0.6% of the vote. As it stands. And this is what... This thing really did set me off this week. With... With everything going on. Uh, and I mean... I mean on Twitter. On, on, on several fronts. The tweet in question that really set me off... Actually came from Alyssa Milano. Uh, who you might remember her from such things as Charmed, and she's, you know, an actress, or an actor, my bad, an actor, that has been in, you know, a host of other, you know, projects, I'm sure. I'm not really a fan of Alyssa Milano. Uh, Just generally speaking, I don't watch stuff that she's been in. But this is what Alyssa Milano tweeted out, and this was, uh, this was, like, two nights ago, I suppose, when, when, when the election results were pouring in, and it appeared that uh, Danny O'Connor wasn't going to win. Uh, Alyssa Milano got on Twitter and said, You know what sucks? Because of our unwillingness to pass policy that protects our election integrity, I immediately think the Green Party votes tonight are Russian meddling. Why else would anyone cast a protest vote in Ohio when there's so much at stake? And I couldn't... I, I could not... I couldn't even, full-blown White Valley girl, can't even. I tweeted out to her, and I, I assume that she would never get a chance to read it, and I didn't care. I put it out there for all the other idiots that were commenting on her post, saying, and, and, and really taking the fire and the flames to the third-party voters. I said, you know what sucks? This is Alex Jones-level male bovine excrement. That's bullshit for those of you who can't decipher the meaning. But nothing will happen to your social media platforms. And I said that because of what happened to Alex Jones. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. But the third-party voter thing. This is the stupidest thing that I see in the political discussion in America right now. doesn't matter where you are, whether you're talking about a state level, uh, a localized community level, uh, or a federal level political election. You can't do, you can't do this. Alyssa Milano, any, a- anybody else that's out there, you cannot do this anymore. This is this is straight up. First off, let's start with the argument that the third party voters cost you an election. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It all starts there. It all starts with this this stupid belief that you somehow own third party individuals votes. Green party voters, they didn't vote for this Joe Manchin dude. They weren't Democrats that just decided, like, you know, you know what? The Democratic Party sucks, and this time we're voting for our buddy Joe. 
They didn't think that. They're not Democrat voters. They're Green Party voters. They were probably all 1,100 votes that the guy took, they were probably all registered Green Party voters. And it is extremely... that I'm trying to think of a professional way to say this, but there's no other way to say it. Alyssa Milano just shits all over him. And so did the internet. So, so did a lot of people. If you are a person who gets on here and talks about you third-party b- voters are selfish bastards, you only think of yourself when you vote. You don't think about the consequences. Excuse me? Excuse me, the third-party voters don't think about the consequences. Or is it you who play this stupid little duopoly game of left versus right? Who's doing more damage? Is it really the third-party voter who's actually, truly voting for a change, voting for something different, pushing for something that they truly do care about? Is it really them... Or is it the person that compromises their principles, compromises their beliefs to satisfy your lame agenda? It's very insult. It's very insulting, and the the problem is is that Alyssa Milano is one of those people who gets up there and would say, you know, go out there, get out there, vote, rock the vote. Everybody needs to vote, but she will shit all over you if you're not voting for what she believes in. If you went out and voted your conscience for a conservative candidate somewhere, anywhere, Alyssa Milano is the type that would tell you that you are wrong and that you're the problem. That's why... I've I used to be that guy. I used to be that guy, you know, go out there, get out there and vote because voting is important. You got to get out there and vote. I don't encourage I don't do the mass encourage voting thing anymore. And there's a huge reason why because all of it is disingenuous. All of it is. Nearly every one of these big rock star celebrity endorsed get out there and vote because voting is important. They're all the types that would stab you in the back if you voted for even one thing against what their agenda was. You can't get up and say, rock the vote, get out there and vote, vote your conscience, vote what you believe in. Unless you're one of those third-party bastards, don't get out there and vote them because it's better off that you not vote at all. And it's insulting. You are devaluing voices that voted against you specifically not as that's the other thing they dumb it down all that they try to dumb it down all the time it's dumbed down right in her tweet why else would you cast a protest vote what who said that they're protest voting anything who said that they're protest voting anything that's bullshit Pardon my French, but that is grade A bullshit. 
casting a vote in protest. No, they casted a vote for a candidate that they supported. And it wasn't your candidate. Get over it. Get over it. Your candidate was good at scooping up 100,000 other votes, but sucked at getting 1,100 that were voting for the Green Party. Sucked at it. So did the Republican guy. He couldn't get the Green Party votes either. You know why? Because they're freaking Green Party voters. That's why. And social media, any any of you on social media, taking a dump on third-party voters right now, I'm telling you right now, just unfollow me. I'm not in this game to gain as much Twitter followers as possible and get my jollies off on people liking my posts and retweeting shit that I say. It's not what the name of the game is for me. The name of the game is I fight for liberty. I support principled candidates that stick to true key pillars that I believe in. Freedom, liberty, uh, less government, maximized personalized freedom, individualism, free markets. People that promote those things get my attention and get my votes. I'm not a party line guy. Even as a registered libertarian in Delaware, I'm not a party line guy because I've seen crappy libertarians or ones that I just don't agree with their messaging and how they deliver their message. I've seen it. I've been there. I'm not a party line person. And I think America is slowly curving the way that I want it to curve. People not relying on the party so much anymore. And I, and despite all the flack that, uh, despite all the flack that will get thrown at third-party voters, and this independent body of voters that is that is, I think, gaining momentum and gaining steam. Really, the third, a third party, a third legitimized party coming into play will shake things up in America, and I think it is an important thing that could happen and should happen. But I'm a realist. I know that's an uphill battle. I know there's people like Alyssa Milano and a dozen mindless bots that would follow her. Everybody wants to talk about Russian bots and mindlessness and, and all this crap. I know that there's a ton of mindless people who will fall right in line with gaslighting against third-party voters. You know, my, my friend Sharon commented on this uh, on my Instagram post, I want to say. And we have this odd uh, political friendship of uh, not completely, totally agreeing with each other, but understanding each other a little bit better, which I think is an important thing. And when I posted my comment, on Melissa Milano on my Instagram, Sharon commented and saying they, they've already gaslighted us third-party people. And it's true. It's true. We do have a little bit of an uphill battle to, to win that war. But that's, liberty is the mountain that I'm fine dying on. If the worst thing that anybody can say to me is that guy didn't want the government so big that it was controlling aspects of your life, 
I can live with that, and I can die with that. You could put that on my tombstone because I don't have any shame in it whatsoever. No shame. No shame whatsoever. Now, uh, that brings us to, I guess, the, this week's final topic of, uh, of Alex, Alex Jones and InfoWars. You think PCP, some horse tranquilizer something? <laughs> they got stuff that'll whack your brain permanently. Brain chips and the trips. They give the trips special vaccines that are really nanotech that already re-engineer their brains. Now, there it is, the gay bomb. Look it up for yourself. I mean, this is what they're... What do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. And I'm not saying people didn't naturally have homosexual feelings. I'm not even getting into it, quite frankly. I mean, give me a break. You think I am like, oh, shocked by it, so I'm up here bashing it because I don't like gay people? I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay! Alex Jones, creator of InfoWars website, multiple talk shows, podcasts, uh, all this stuff. Also, uh, unapolog- unapologetic, huge conspiracy theorist, dating back to the 9-11 truther days, uh, including Sandy Hook being fabricated, crisis actor- actors, uh, Pizzagate uh, thing. Uh, Apple banned him. Band Infowars pulled six podcasts from iTunes and uh, and podcast apps. Um, those included War Room and the Alex Jones Show podcast, which is a daily podcast. Facebook, Spotify followed suit. Uh, Facebook unpublished four Alex Jones pages, uh, namely the Alex Jones channel page, Alex Jones page, Infowars page, and Infowars Nightly News. Also suspended Alex Jones' personal account for his role in posting content. Um, Spotify removed all episodes of the Alex Jones show. What sparked the removal? The idea is similar throughout that Jones violated the social media platform's hate speech policies. Facebook defines it as a direct attack on people based on what we call protected characteristics. And by the way, I'm reading this from um, Politico. But Politico, this statement right here is Facebook's actual defined statement. Um... Protected characteristics including race, ethnicity, national origin, religious affiliation, sexual orientation, caste, sex, gender, gender identity, and serious disease or disability. We also provide some protections for immigration status. We define attack as a violent or dehumanizing speech, statements of inferiority, or calls for exclusion or segregation. YouTube has a similar definition Apple does not define hate, but writes that content may be removed or rejected if it could be construed as racist, misogynist, or homophobic, or depicts hate themes. Uh, Apple told BuzzFeed, Apple does not tolerate hate speech, and we have clear guidelines for the creators and developers must follow to ensure we provide a safe environment for all of our users. Podcasts that violate these guidelines are removed from our directory making them no longer searchable or available for download or streaming. Uh, and all this, Alex Jones' InfoWars app on Apple's App Store and App Stores on mobile platforms actually increased. And it has now sparked this huge First Amendment debate on whether or not the government should get involved in regulating social media platforms. And this is, this is a tough thing. This is a tough call. However, there's a fine line and a balance. Um... 
Do I want the government involved in the internet, social media platforms, and regulation? No, I do not. Um, at all. Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Twitter, uh, uh, Instagram. Every single one of these is a private company, a private industry on the internet that we all use freely. We don't really, most of us are using freely, I should say. Um, if not, there's terms and conditions even if we are paying people. There's terms and conditions and things that we agree to when we utilize these services. Facebook, Apple, they, they, they all can decide these things. They all have the right, they reserve the right to have standards, rules, guidelines, and enforce them as they see fit. Our biggest criticism against things like Twitter and other social media platforms is the enforcement of it and is it being enforced fair, fairly. That's the big crux of the matter for, for most of us, for me especially. Is it being enforced fairly? Alex Jones getting booted off is a little concern like a little concerning first off this is my entertainment um i i listen to alex jones snippets for a laugh i do to for for craziness all right a lot of what alex jones says i hate i think he is not i don't believe he's a good man i don't believe that he has good intentions uh I don't, but I don't necessarily believe that he should be silenced or removed, especially when it, when it comes to these social media platforms as well. Unless something is a direct threat to somebody, there comes that question of, is pulling content or blocking content, is that the right thing? Like on Twitter... This happens all the time. Is accounts get suspended, accounts get shadow banned. Even though Jack says they did, they, they, that they don't shadow ban, there's there's evidence otherwise that would suggest that it happens. Because he kind of said we don't shadow ban, but we might find it. We might make it harder for people to find your tweets, which is kind of a way of shadow banning. You know, I don't you know. I don't know. A lot of these platforms have block buttons, ignore buttons, uh, mute buttons. And that's a great, that's a great method of self-policing. That's a great method to not silence somebody so much, not, not remove their presence, not, not restrict them, but allow other people to say, I don't want to see that, I don't want to hear that. That's the great thing about the internet. It's open. You can avoid what you don't want to see. You can control what you do want to see. I think there's great self-policing steps. Now, Alex Jones, he's, he's nuttier than squirrel shit, okay? I'll say it. He's nuttier than squirrel shit. Is silencing him the best method? I mean, he has said some ridiculous off-the-wall cray-cray shit. But I'm not sure that this is the best approach when people can just silence him, people can just mute him. All right. If you can put in an algorithm to block anything that has the words Alex Jones or InfoWars in it, which guess what? They all do. Then do you really need to remove it completely and entirely? Because now what they've actually done is you've increased a following to him because his app is up. His app is way up.
Just opened my phone right now. Top charts for free apps. Number one, Twitter. Number two, Newsbreak, local and breaking. Reddit. And number four, InfoWars. It's number four in Apple's App Store. Followed by Fox News in fifth. And guess who's in sixth? CNN. Somewhere Jim Acosta is crying in a corner. Because he just can't even. That's what I mean, though. It did, that boosted over the course of one or two days from Alex Jones getting nixed from these platforms. InfoWars went up. Begs the question, is this the right method? I don't want government getting involved. I don't want government solving this issue. We have First Amendment rights to freedom of speech. All right? No law for the abridgment of speech. It's a First Amendment right. It's a First Amendment right that the government can't do it to you. A, a private platform like Facebook, yeah, it's a, pri- it's a private entity. They can decide that they don't want Alex Jones on their platform. That's perfectly fine. That doesn't mean that we can't stand up and say, hey, you, do you guys really, why don't you think it through a little bit more just because, just on the principle that people can block it. It's not, you know, is it calling up? Is it, is it really, is it targeting people? Is it saying that they should die? Alex Jones has said a lot of off-the-wall shit, though. Okay, he has said a lot of off-the-wall stuff. He probably has violated terms and conditions of these websites. Huh. <sighs> So, the note that I wanted to end on is uh, Delaware's own Gene Truano uh, running for U.S. Senate. Uh, if, even if you're not in Delaware, I want you to take a look at, uh, at Gene Truano, or Truono. I, I, I got to get pronunciation down, man. Gene Truono of, of Delaware running for Senate. Check out VoteTruono.com uh, if you're interested in a principled candidate. Uh Gene has a very interesting backstory. I've listened to a couple of different interviews with a guy. Uh, and I have debates bookmarked to listen to and watch later uh, as he tries to obtain the, uh, the as he tries to obtain a primary victory to be the Republican candidate. Uh, and uh, right now, Tom Carper, I believe, is, is running again. And uh, Carrie Harris. Uh, a Dover community activist and uh, political newcomer is trying to challenge Tom Carper in the Democratic primary this fall. Carrie Harris is uh, the state's first biracial lesbian woman fighting for this position, a former Air Force veteran uh, who has struggled to make ends meet and finish her college degree. Um, And Jean Chirono the Delaware Republican candidate is actually himself. He's a, a gay married man who uh, who's running for the seat, and it, so it's very interesting to see this happening in Delaware. Uh, and I'm following very very closely, but uh, Gene has been winning me over. I even have uh, I even so much as have his yard sign, which I've never ever put yard signs out in my yard, except for with this past 
uh, election cycle with uh, Gary Johnson uh, for president. So that's something I want you to check out. Check out vote truono t r t r u o n o dot com. Uh, and follow behind him if you're a like if if you're a follower of Austin Peterson, Larry Sharp up in New York, um, Justin Amash, Thomas Massey. I believe that he fits this mold of Liberty Caucus candidate, and and I think it's very important, and I think that he deserves the attention and the nod. So check that out. Guys, that's going to do it for me for this week. So thanks for listening. If you're not already following me on Twitter, the uh, the Twitter following has uh, kind of grown over the past couple of weeks, and so has the podcast listening, and I appreciate each and every one of you for that. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at FritzQS, F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S, uh, Facebook.com slash the FritzCast, YouTube, search FritzCast Podcast for videos and subscribe to the channel, please and thank you. Uh, very, very much so for that. Uh, and uh, fritzcast.wordpress.com for the blog endeavors. That's going to be kicking back up soon. 71republic.com, my friends, of course. And Sarcasm and Liberty, check out all their social media platforms as well. That was a mouthful, but every one of those people, I love every one of those people. I love following them. On social media, I love contributing to them in any way that I can, and growing their networks, growing my own network. Uh, it's a great group of liberty-loving individuals, and we are slowly but surely taking the internet by storm, bit by bit. Guys, love you, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>